Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is Sharad Smith, and this is Iambic Poetry Podcast. I like to bring you my new my guest for today, a poet who's not only a professor at Sacramento State University, he is also a poet who has five books out and a, and a memoir, and also has several stuff in journals. And he also has a special thing they need to talk about. But if y'all if y'all know, he'll tell you more about it. I like to give you Brad Buchanan. Woo! How you doing, Brad? <laughs> I'm doing great, Sharon. Thank you for that very uh, cool and enthusiastic introduction. Yeah, most definitely. I brought you on the show not because of um, your new book, but also because we have a, a close friend of ours, um, Izzy Lala, who recommended say you need to get brad on so i was like okay <laughs> well, props to izzy for uh yes. for passing on the good word to you sharon i'm very grateful to her uh yeah i i, re- I reached her at on linkedin yes. which is a social professional social network where i've spent almost no time in most of my career but these days uh i i reach people however i can reach them so okay. uh, I'm grateful to her for for being so uh, quick and and helpful, and to you also for responding so quickly and and having me on. Most definitely, but we're here to talk about your new book, your 2022 book, Chimera. And Chim- Chimera is basically the chapter of is basically the second, or I would say, the second third, the third chapter of your first book that came out on um that came out in um, 2019 so why, why don't we basically talk about why don't let, i'm gonna let you talk about what stemmed the book that happened in 2016 that stemmed everything going forward now yeah no that's a great question um mm-hmm. so the book that came out in 2019 is called the scars aligned a cancer mm-hmm. narrative and that basically uh, tells the story in poetry. Uh, these are all poems, but it does have a chronological narrative that it follows from the beginning of my cancer journey. Uh, in other words, the time where I first felt uh, funny little lumps in my jaw and in my abdomen, suspected something was wrong, and then six months later got a cancer diagnosis and uh, was told, oh, it's not that big a deal. You can probably go hiking in the Himalayas if you want. We don't (laughs) think this is a dangerous cancer. But then, boom, I had a cancerous tumor in my left lung that burst unexpectedly, sending me to the ER, coughing up massive quantities of very dark red blood. Um, So that was the kind of uh, shocking event that precipitated all the cancer treatments that I had to have that year. So I had a bunch of chemo in the summer, and then they ramped me up for a stem cell transplant in early uh, 2016. So the Scars Align basically tells the story of my diagnosis and uh, chemo and treatments up until the stem cell transplant. Um, And the sort of climax of the book is the night before I get my brother's stem cells, and I'm feeling incredibly uh, alive and yet in great danger, too, because often these things are fatal. And then um, it sort of uh, trails off with a sort of a happy ending almost kind of. But the fact is that after my transplant, I was so ill 
Sharon, that I could not write anything for almost a year. Um, so I couldn't write anything uh, for a long time about what actually happened to me while I was in the transplant unit, uh, what they call the BMTU, bone marrow transplant unit. So Chimera picks up the story, basically where the scars aligned, had to leave off. I couldn't write, part because I was really ill uh, with acute graft versus host disease, which was almost fatal in my case, but also because I was blind for almost a year and a half and uh, didn't learn any real adaptive technologies to write in Braille, for instance, or to use a computer properly by, my own, by myself when, uh, to deal with my visual impairment that way. So I really didn't do much writing. And I was honestly very traumatized from the violence of the acute graft versus host disease that hammered me in the transplant unit. So it took me um, years basically to revisit that uh, transplant unit room where I got my brother's stem cells that saved me from the B-cell lymphoma that was threatening my life. Uh, but my condition also changed dramatically. I, I, I was, it was a successful transplant technically because I was fully engrafted. I'm a genetic chimera, hence the title of the book. So I have two sets of DNA encoded in me now, my own and my brother's. Uh, and that's known in medical terms as a chimera. So it was successful, and I'm not worried about my first cancer coming back, but it left me vulnerable to more cancer, unfortunately, hmm. which was also cured somewhat miraculously at uh, Sloan Kettering in New York through a clinical trial. Um, but mainly the book is about the painful miracle of genetic chimerism and the disease that comes out of that for me, which is graft versus host disease, which is still in my body today. And um, I've had to, uh, I've had to work hard to understand and accept the paradox, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm sick with something that I can't fight against in the way that I fought against cancer. So I've had to come up with a new vocabulary for thinking about how to manage um, a disease that is encoded into my genetic makeup. It's in my DNA now. So it's not like you can cut it out, kill it, and be done with it. Mm. So now it's part of you, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's part of me forever. Mm. So, so what I was, I was mostly, I saw not only Scars Alone, but you also had a memoir published in um, 2021, basically after the pandemic, was starting to how, and I want to actually ask about that before um, before the memoir. How did you get how you went through your lymphoma on um, your first your first um, trial of um, chemotherapy through 2016 and to all the way to 2000 until you got the the transplant and everything else. Mm -hmm. And then when 2019 you got your book out, you were still going through now the next stage of it, but you also had to deal with COVID 19. Yeah. How did how did that um kind of bop up the whole situation? <laughs> well, that's a great question. And honestly, um, everyone told me that I needed to go on personal lockdown. So basically, my wife, uh, Kate Washington, did all the shopping, uh, ran all the errands. I hunkered down with the kids uh, at home and wrote it out um, until I could get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, fortunately, um, 
The vaccines appear to be working fine. I have yet to get COVID-19 as far as I know. Um, and they can even do tests on me that show that I have a proper antibody reaction. So I, I've been lucky to dodge the COVID-19 bullet as far as uh, up till this present moment. Um, but yeah, everyone told me, dude, if you get sick from this, you could be in big trouble because I have uh, an immune suppressed uh, condition that uh, often correlates in, in, in the early stages anyway, people thought it correlated with uh, a severe uh, illness and not much uh, chance of surviving COVID-19. But um, yeah, I've been fortunate uh, to escape that thus far. And it seems like the, uh, the anecdotal evidence suggests, Sharon, that um, I was wise to get off of prednisone about four years ago um, because prednisone from the people that I talk to in my bone marrow transplant community, prednisone often inhibits a proper antibody response to the COVID-19 vaccine. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, I have, I've had the proper antibody response because my immune system has bounced back enough. Uh, so I'm no longer concerned as concerned anyway, that uh, I would die, you know, on a respirator if I got COVID-19, but I've had to be very careful. I continue to wear masks pretty much wherever I go. But uh, yeah, it's been, um, it's been a tough a few years uh, in that regard. Just when I, I was starting to feel physically better and more energetic, able to get out and enjoy life a little, socialize, and then the pandemic hits and I'm like, okay, we're going back down to the, to the sick room in lockdown. Does this give you enough time to like start looking into, um, were you more, I'll say like myself, COVID kind of put my my creative ideas kind of in a standstill, but also kind of moving towards something. So I knew a lot of people that would basically start writing. They had more time to write. They had more time to um, do music or even some other stuff. Or did it just give just make you just now concerned and just going into somewhat of a, a dull depression or temporary depression or thing? Um, well, I was fortunate, I guess, that I, I don't have depressive tendencies. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I take an antidepressant and have done since my uh, transplant. Um, but uh, what happened to me during COVID is I kind of became politically more aware. Um, I was so outraged by Trump and the Trumpsters' denial of the COVID situation at first. And then, honestly, the killing of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement made it very clear that um, that we as Americans need to unite as much as we can against everything that Trump stands for and enables in this country. So I started writing a lot of angry political poetry, which I posted on Facebook. People can go back and look at my Facebook page to uh, verify that this statement. And uh, yeah, I joined a local organization called Surge, Stand Up for Racial Justice, um, made a few phone calls to swing states in the election season. Um, I didn't do very much. Like, I don't have much energy to do much of anything, but I could make a phone call or two. And I felt like I was at least doing something. And um, then uh, when somehow <laughs> the numbers lined up and uh, it was clear that Biden had finally won the election, uh, turned our attention to the Senate races in Georgia, where we could uh, to flip those blue and manage to do so. So um, 
yeah, I, I stopped writing. I mean, my poetry was influenced still by my medical condition because I felt like I'm taking this COVID shit personally. Pardon the bad language. I don't know. No, fine, no. Okay. Uh, I, I, took it, I took it very personally. I, you know, when Trump would say, oh, go ahead, take hydroxychloroquine. What do you got to lose? Well, as it happens, I have life to lose. Thank you very much. Um, so I took that very personally. And I don't know. I, I also took, uh, yeah, I took it personally when um, we watched people being um, callously killed by police officers on the streets of this country. Uh, that was appalling and continues to be appalling. So the pandemic was also a chance for me to, um, even as I was sheltering in place, I was also watching the world, watching social media, watching the political situation because honestly when trump was first elected i was so ill i was literally blind um and i just felt like oh what's happening this is odd why is trump beating hillary clinton in the election that makes very little sense but well i'm probably going to die in about a year anyway so <laughs> what the hell i don't really care at that point i was just sort of like oh okay the u.s has done something really stupid that yeah, they've done it before well you know we'll get through it somehow but then as I regained my vision, as I regained a little bit of health and and mobility uh, and autonomy, I then realized, oh, actually, no, this is a massive crisis in this country. Trump wants to destroy uh, a democracy. Trump wants to incite a race war, I believe. And uh, this is just the worst possible uh, situation for this country politically. And I'm not even an American by birth. I'm from Canada. Mm -hmm. So I'm now an American citizen. Uh, I was inspired to become that after Obama was elected. I wanted to vote for him a second time uh, for his second term. So anyway, the pandemic was, it cut both ways. Uh, I stopped feeling sorry for myself about my medical issues. And I started looking around me a little bit more and realizing that there was a bigger political reality to engage with that did affect me on some level. But uh, honestly, uh, I wasn't thinking as much about myself uh, during the pandemic um, because I was sheltered uh, and sheltering by my wife who was, uh, who was doing all the shopping and was putting herself more at risk because uh, mm. I was the, the more vulnerable partner apparently. Sure enough, but you still were out there. I noticed that it took um, between your um, book, your um, scars online, and also um, swimming, swimming in the mirrors, uh, the poems you get to your daughter for your daughter. It was eight years. It was well, not actually not nine, eight years. It was actually um, 2008 was that book. 2019, um, 2019 was this one. It was about eleven years. What can, um, I know you had between the um, cancer um, coming um, 2016. What was what was going on between those um, 2008 and 2015 or 14? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> well, I had to get on with my job. Um, okay. For a while, I was chair of the English department at Sac State, Sharon. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to go into that in any great detail. Let's just say that it was a very stressful job. Um, I got my dream job at Sac State when I was just hired to teach uh, British modern and world literature in English in 2002. Um, and uh, I also needed to publish academic books. So uh, I put out, uh, I basically had my dissertation uh, sitting around and I decided I'm going to revise that and see if it will okay. be publishable. And it did come out in 2010. 
um, with a Canadian academic publisher. And then I was, yeah, I was embroiled in uh, departmental politics, trying to save people's jobs from budget cuts and uh, from, yeah, they wanted to do away with a major writing requirement at Sac State. And that, of course, would have been catastrophic for the English department, as well as bad for students, in my estimation. So I had to fight like hell to keep that, uh, to win a, a vote in the faculty senate to keep that um, requirement in place. So mm-hmm. I had other stuff going on. We also had a very young baby uh, who needed love and attention. And um, yeah, I I had work to do. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it did um, life kind of uh, life and my pro- my professional life in particular kind of got in the way of publishing poetry. However, uh, I, I was still writing poetry, um, you know, maybe less, uh, less urgently, you know, right. when I got cancer, poetry suddenly became like the central focus of my writing life. You know, I stopped writing academic pieces. Uh, obviously, I didn't think I was going to survive long enough to publish another academic book. Mm. So, poet, uh, so at that point, poetry kind of went back on the front burner. Okay. Well, so let's start. Let's start with that then. So let's let's start with your poetry journey. What 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 got you into poetry first? I'm assuming as a young man, what got you into poetry? Well, you know, we all read poetry when we're kids, or we hear it anyway, like Dr. Right. Seuss or pop, pop music. You know, um, whatever whatever's on. Uh, whatever's on the radio when you're growing up, uh, you absorb the words in that, and that's there's poetry in in, in that too. Um, and then in in school, you know, the teachers asked uh, us all to write a poem uh, at some point or another. I'm sure that's happened to everybody. Most people <laughs> find that a, a terrible imposition. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, and uh, yeah, so I have been writing poetry, I guess, since I was a a kid and that just never seemed like something I wanted to stop doing altogether. Uh, and yeah, it's the most pleasurable form of writing to me because, uh, poetry to work has to have a kind of musical component. Okay. So I can't sing or play any musical instrument. Um, I try to listen to words and to hear the, the music in words as, as, as much as I can. And poetry okay. is super satisfying. Uh, when you can hear that the mu- there's music happening as well as powerful thoughts, images, feelings being expressed. Oh, okay. So, so you say you're from Canada. So, what province are you from? Well, I grew up in Ontario. Okay. Uh, the uh, capital city of Ottawa is in Ontario. That's where I grew up, and then, but I've I've traveled around. I uh, went to college in Montreal, uh, which is a bilingual city uh, and then a year in Toronto, but I've lived in California for more than half of my life. So I, I consider myself as much Californian as Canadian. Okay. I like to think that I live in a, in a special place called Canuckifornia. <laughs> Canuck, nice. <laughs> Most definitely. So, so from your, from getting your position as a, as a professor over in um, Sac state, what made you? Does that was before you got your professor? You got your professor tenureship in Sac State. What made you want to write your first book out 
um, uh, what's the, uh, and the miracle shrinker, 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 uh, the, mir- the miracle shirker. Shirker, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's sort of a, it's like a sort of a pun or joke on sure. miracle worker. Oh, okay. You know, someone, who, someone who achieves miracles is a miracle worker. A miracle shirker is someone who's afraid of miracles, who oh, might, you know, might be capable of a miracle or might want a miracle, but as chicken, basically. Uh, <laughs> nice. So I don't know. That, yeah, that was my first book of poetry, which uh, came out in 2005, that oh, yeah. my daughter was born. Um, okay. it, it was basically just a collection of poems that I'd had published in other journals. I'd been writing and publishing for quite a while at that point, you know, more than 10 years. Um, and I, you know, you you tried to get books published through presses or what have you for uh, through contests, but what I, I was just not having any luck at all. And I just thought, hey, it's time I had a book. I like to go to poetry readings. I'd like to give a poetry reading. I'd like to have a book to bring to sell at a poetry reading. So I was lucky enough to connect with uh, a press in Stockton, no longer uh, extant, but run by a lovely man named David Humphreys. Uh, and the press was called Poets Corner. And he said, oh, yeah, I think you're ready for a book. Uh, let's do it. And hey, presto, a few uh, months later, the Miracle Shirker was born. And uh, yeah, it was something I felt was really important for me at the time uh, to to get those poems out into the world because it was the best stuff I thought I'd written, you know, over the preceding 15 years, basically. I thought I'd gotten to the point where, yeah, some of this stuff is, it's publishable because it's already been published in various journals in Canada and the U.S., so uh, I just thought, hey, let's have a book to put on the shelf and then move on. A friend of mine, a poet friend named Susan Kelly DeWitt, I really yeah. think highly of her. And we had a chat before I made the call to publish it. And she said, well, you need to do what you need to do to keep faith with the process. Keep faith with the process. And if your process means you put out a book at this point, see what that does for you. See where it gets you. Maybe it'll get you to your next book faster. And I, I really do believe that that first book taught me what a poem, uh, what a book of poetry needs to be about, because that first book was just like my greatest hits collection. It was not, there was not a unifying theme or idea behind it, honestly. Um, but every book since that point has had a major theme or idea. So Swimming the Mirror, it's poems about fatherhood. It's poems about not just my you know, first daughter but my second daughter too um and then of course uh the scars aligned was about being diagnosed with cancer and having to be treated and uh and and dealing with the emotional fallout of all that and now chimera chimera which is about uh the transplant and its aftermath so i realized that uh i didn't i realized that I, I write a lot of poetry, Sharon, like too much. Honestly, I write too much poetry for <laughs> for my own good, probably. Um, or maybe it's just for my own good that I write it. But when you want to publish a book, I've learned that it's much more satisfying to put poems with other poems that are in dialogue with it or all roughly about the same thing and have that be the focus of the book. So it's not just, you know, a, a kind of like, random smattering of words on the page. But I didn't know that until I'd published 
uh, my first book, uh, The Miracle Shirker. Um, and so it was, it was absolutely keeping faith with my process. And my process was understanding how to write better poetry and how to publish better books of poetry and what poems don't need to be in a book. They can just be on their own, doing their own thing. If they don't, if they're like nothing else you've ever written before, maybe they're not something to put in a book. So anyway, it, it helped me uh, clear away all those old, po old poems that were cluttering my mind and my spirit, you could say, made room for some new stuff. You know, I was like shipping out the freight from the uh, cargo bay and making room for new packages. Most definitely. And being that, as you pointed out, that it gave you a little bit of a practice run to your next book, which is um, swimming, swimming with um, swimming the mirrors, poems to your daughter. I've, I've known, and that was from that was from Rome Press. So that was a press here in Sacramento and stuff. I looked them up and stuff. Well, and, yeah, it was a press that I started with my wife. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> how how that feel being an uh, actual now being now being both the poet but also the publisher too. Well, I mean, it was great on a certain level um, because I felt like uh, I felt like I wanted to publish local Sacramento writers. Okay. But I wanted also to know, um, yeah, to, to, to be the guinea pig from the first Roan Press book um, so that I would be I would make sure we had a good printer, for instance, uh, that we had a good designer, that the product ended up looking good. And that we knew how to kind of market it as much as we could locally without making ridiculous promises. So we ended up publishing, I think, six books from Roan Press. Uh, when I got sick, we just let it go because uh, it was going to be impossible to keep that going. But, uh, but yeah, we published a bunch of stuff. Um, um, I'm, uh, we published, uh, let's see, a book called Crow Song by Zoe Keithley. Um, a local writer and teacher uh, who I truly admired. Uh, we published, um, let's see, a book called The Mexican Man in His Backyard by a man named Steve Gutierrez, uh, who's an academic English professor, buddy of mine, honestly, uh, who lives in the East Bay. Uh, a lyrical memoir called uh, Peach Farmer's Daughter by Brendan Nakamoto, uh, who's a Davis writer and I think works at UC Davis. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, a very funky, weird collector's item uh, book called Visions of Joanna Newsom, which is a book of essays about and art and poetry inspired by Joanna Newsom, who's a cult figure, uh, I would say a harpist and singer-songwriter from Nevada City, yeah. just up the way, who, yeah, I mean, she has a worldwide following. Uh, and her music is like nothing else on this earth. So I wanted to, uh, I, I wrote a piece for that book and, uh, but so many other people wanted to contribute to it. Uh, it was a pretty thick volume, beautifully done by our designer and uh, printed uh, very capably at dome printing. So I'm very proud of that book. It, if you look on Amazon these days, copies of that, are being advertised for hundreds of dollars. Uh, I should have printed more, honestly, <laughs> than we did. But uh, but yeah, so Roan Press was fun for 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 quite a while while it lasted. But uh, 
but yeah, uh, when I got sick, it all, it all, um, it all had to go away. So what, what made you pick finish line press? Cause you well, second book with them now. Yeah. I didn't pick them. Uh, Sharon, they picked me. Oh, you better. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I submitted my manuscript to them. Um, is the scars aligned? Actually, you know what? I'll revise my answer. I did pick them because I had read that they published a book of cancer poetry uh, about maybe 10 years ago. So before I had written The Scars Aligned, um, they published another author whose book was primarily, mainly about, uh, about cancer. Um, because, you know, I was writing all these poems about my cancer experience and a lot of the people I would show the poems to would say, uh, you know, this is good stuff, but like, yeah, it's a whole book about cancer poetry. Like who wants that? This is ridiculous. You, you can't, you can't tell that to anybody. Like, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you expect a publisher to say to this? It's too damn depressing. But I recognized that, you know, finishing line had done it before and apparently we're willing to do it again. So, uh, so yeah, I submitted to them, you know, cause I'd been trying with other presses. I'd entered the collection in contests. Of course, I've never won any of those book contests, probably never will. Uh, but finishing line, we're willing to, to take a chance on it. And, um, I'm grateful that they did, uh, because honestly, you know, I wasn't sure I was going to survive to, to see those poems into print, but, um, it was, awfully gratifying that, that they did. And now we're going to have another, excuse me, another book uh, out in a, a matter of months from them and uh, touch wood. I, I feel very confident that I will survive to see that day. And um, I, I'm, I'm very familiar with how they operate. I'm, I'm comfortable with uh, the way they do things. They produce beautiful books. Uh, and yeah, they're not, uh, they're not scared of some cancer poetry. <laughs> unlike some people i guess that's understandable uh so being that this is your second book and stuff um on finish line you've been you've kind of been you kind of put yourself into a veteran space now where you you know you know the plans on both ends um, publisher and also poet and also author um and I also noticed that you have done a, a couple of readings um, in 2019 in June with, over at the, in Davis and also with, like with Stuart Canton and some and several other places. But what are you expecting to do some readings after the book comes out or are you just mostly just seeing how everything plays out before you go that far and stuff? Oh no, I've got readings uh, lined up. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> again in Davis with Dr. Andy, um, and then uh, some stuff happening. I think it's all happening in 2023. Okay. I want to make absolutely sure I have my own copies of the book in hand to sell at the readings. But uh, poetry to me uh, is meant to be performed and heard uh -huh. uh, by an audience. It's meant to be spoken to an audience by the poet, uh, preferably from memory. Um, like the stuff I recite is all stuff I've memorized because that's the stuff that to me is the most important, you know? Right. So, um, so yeah, I, as I said, I started, I wanted to have a book to bring to a reading 
to if people like what they hear, okay, you can buy the book. But the main thing is, um, yeah, poetry lives to me in performance, in being heard, in being performed. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't have like a an elaborate light show with dancers or anything. It's pretty much just me uh, spitting this poetry, so to speak, um, perhaps literally sometimes at uh, at the audience. But uh, but yeah, I reading is super important for me and I'm in the process of memorizing um, some of the poems from Chimera that I know I want to perform as best I can uh, to a live audience at some future time. Okay. So, so Chimera, so Chimera is a new book coming out in November, but right now it's right now for pre-order. So pre-order is good till September, right? Or the end of September? Yeah, the the uh, the closing date for pre-ordering is September twenty third. Mm. Um, so if people are inclined to get their copies as soon as possible, <laughs> now is the time to pre-order from the Finishing Line Press website. Uh, that's the only place it's available right now. It'll be available on Amazon, you know, after the publication date, probably in December. Um, but yeah, it'll help the book get a, a good print run. If people pre-order uh, right this minute, as soon as they hear this podcast, um, uh, they we'll, should be we'll, running, running to their. We'll definitely get a, We'll definitely put the link on here and everything. Oh, cool, that would be awesome. <laughs> but I was wondering if you have a, if you do have a poem you would like to recite from the book or even from um, Scars Align. Yeah, no, I would love to. Um, I'm going to recite this one from from Chimera. Because um, it's one I know I want to recite, and it's uh, it's now it's become the most important poem in the book because uh, of my mother who died of uh, complications from lymphoma, the same roughly the same type of blood cancer that I had. Um, she died last year, and this poem is called "The Butterfly Effect." Pregnant this time with her own future a 74-year-old mother of two, wife of more than 50 years, grandmother of five, considers pain before and after the bone marrow biopsy. Nothing like childbirth, nowhere near as wrenching or as rewarding. A breeze, in fact, thanks to her midwife, the junior hematologist who dug a needle into her hip it's easier for the elderly, she tells her son, who's had two of his own. But he wants to give her another way to face her fears with a metaphor. He says that cancer will help her shed the dead cells of her outer layer. That chrysalis will yield a lighter being, a delicate fluttering feeling, a gratitude sweeter than suffering's sour taste can imagine, a burst of heightened color, fragile and febrile, a species more rare than she has ever brought forth before, annexed herself to test the air, wholly vulnerable as all newborns are. Woo! 
all right. I was I forgot to tell you to say in a poem or something. <laughs> it's okay. Wow, that's I could I lost my father, so I, I can relate to that poem and how that how that feeling is. So yeah. So yeah, my condolences, right? My condolences to you too, sir. My condolences to you too, Brad. But you know what? Celebration. Your mom was here to see a lot of poems that you did, a lot of books that you did. So just her, just her memory, and that's the striver right there. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty. I think she's pretty proud of that. You're coming. You're still here fighting the fight, even for lymphoma, even with something that she felt, she felt. You're still soldiering on and going through it, and also being her champion. Yeah. Well, and and she, I showed her that poem. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah, because I knew I wanted it in this book if she was okay with it being in the book. Um, you know, she's a pretty private person. She's not a performer. She's not a writer, not a poet. She kept her condition pretty private for a lot of her life. But uh, um, but yeah, she liked the poem, so I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> now, and honestly, it was, was going to be in the, in the book no matter what, but since her passing, it became like, Oh my God, this is the most, this is the the truest poem in the book in a way. Um, you know, because it's a reminder that even though I've survived cancer, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't. And, um, I complain about my new illness, but I'll take my new illness over cancer any day of the week. Cancer is the scariest, um, you know, most deadly disease, uh, around. Um, so, that's the book the, the poem is there in the book as a reminder of how fortunate i am to still be alive so there you have it folks get, get brad's new book chimera and it's going to be on finish line presses and right now you can pre-order until the 23rd of september and then it'll come out in november please get your copy as soon as possible and if you can why don't you get the first two, the first copy also from Scars Align? It's on the same place. Might as well go to the same press. <laughs> That's right. get, them, get them looking for Brad to give them a third book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you never know. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they will. I, I hope. Yeah. I, I feel like we, uh, we have a good relationship, publisher and poet. So maybe there'll be a, a third finishing line press book one of these days. But. Uh, Right now, I'm I'm all about Chimera, and uh, that's that's the one that's uh, in the hopper. There you go, Chimera, get it as soon as possible. Thank you, Brad, for coming on, and thank you for the poem. And thank and I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk we're gonna talk later when the book comes out. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up later to see how you're doing and stuff, and even check out your show because me I know Andy very well, Andy Jones very well and stuff. So I'm, I'm also a vice president of um, Sacramento Poetry Center. So we're going to get you there too. That would <laughs> be great. I, if, you, if there's a place to read, I, yes. I will, I will show up. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I love, I love to, to perform. And honestly, it, it, seeing how people react to the, to the poems in real time tells mm-hmm. me what's working and what's, what's not working. You know, it, it helps okay. me, helps me as a performer, but also as a poet too, you know, so uh, it's all part of the process, as Susan Kelly DeWitt would say. Oh yes, and we we've had Susan Kelly DeWitt on this on this episode, on this show before too. So awesome. yes, she's, yes. <laughs> but once again, everyone, 
Get Chimera is on Finish Line Press. It's, it's right now in pre-order stage till the 23rd of September. If you can, get it. If you can't get it right now, get it in November. It'll come out, grab the copy as fast as possible. <laughs> and Brad may be there to sign it for you. So I like thank you to Brad. I like thank you. I like to give a little thanks to Susan DeWitt, basically, because she got him on the right path. And I'm glad that he's doing what he's doing now. And also little condolence to your mom and everyone else that has been backing up, even your wife, including your wife. She's backed us this long and kept on going and your daughters. Yeah. And I also like to give a little, little shout out to your daughter for giving me the dub the name Cancer Man. <laughs> yeah, that was Lucy. Yeah, good call. Good call, Sharon. <laughs> the superhero with a name no one in their right mind would want. But you know what, Brad? I give you that name. Just like Superman, some powers he didn't want, he still, he still fights through. He still fights. Yeah, yeah so, for sure. No, I mean, my go. kids... They were honestly my biggest motivation to get through all this, you know. They needed their dad back in their lives. And that was, they were the people I got up in the morning for, uh, went into the treatments for, and um, tried everything I possibly could to to get out of this mess alive. Uh, they were they were the biggest reason. So I, yeah. I think of them every day and thank them every day. Thank you, sir. All right, all right everyone, that is the show. I'll put, we'll put in the show link, the show notes of all of Brad's um, information and also to get the book. So you take care, everyone, all right?